Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 198, and it is titled The Secret to Success in Love and Business. Woo, that's a tall order right there. It's a secret <laughs> to success in love and business. You know, business isn't necessarily something we talk about on the show because we're sex, love, and relationship. But what I think is going to be interesting in this particular episode is that some of the things that you need to be successful in your relationship will also transfer over to being successful in your business. And I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go along and, and as we talk with our guest today. But you know, they have that saying, like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like, there's a possibility that that really applies here, that, that some of the things that you would do to really be successful in one would really translate over into another. So we're going to find out, because honestly, I, I don't really know. But uh... <laughs> but it's funny you saying that, Kevin, because several years ago, when I started this uh, business, I had hired a business coach. And that led me to write an article that was like, free things you business can teach you relationship because I was really starting to see that. Uh, so I'm pretty sure there is a connection for sure. But before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. If you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is some for you at powerandmastery.com. So make sure you check it out. Our guest today is Michelle Hoffman. She is the inter- international best-selling author of the books Life Worth Living and New Management Blueprint. Clients call her a relationship coach because hey, life is better with good love in it. Michelle empowers people to attract, keep and enjoy loving relationships in their life without losing themselves and being overwhelmed. So welcome, Michelle, to the Love Lab podcast. Thank you so much for having me here at the Love Lab podcast. I'm so honored to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we like to just dive right in after our introductions and get right into the nitty gritty. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if people haven't, if people listening to the podcast haven't figured it out yet, we usually do a little bit of a pre-interview call. Now, we don't discuss a lot of deep details because we want things to be fresh for the show, but there are a few things that we generally learn. So in this case, we learned a little bit about (laughs) Michelle's past. And so our first question has to do with that, which is you had the perfect relationship and then something happened. So, you know, a lot of what you're going to be talking about, about the secrets to a successful relationship, successful business, and basically just a happy life you Mm -hmm. learned from this experience that you had. So I think a good starting point for the audience is to start with what was that experience and how did it change your life? Thank you. Good setup right there. So I know that, you know, to share my life story and my love story and the, you know, where I'm at in the chapters of each and how they fit together really started when I was a little girl 
And every year on my birthday, it was customary in our family to light the candles on your birthday cake. And each year I would close my eyes and blow out the candles and make a wish. And it might be similar in your upbringing. I don't know. And I've asked people, what did you wish for when you were a little kid? You know, a chocolate was a big one, evidently. A pony, a bike, all of these things. Well, since I was a little girl, I always wished to grow up and have the most incredible relationship with a partner. And together we would go through time and adventures and share all of our experiences, the two of us in Pillow Talk, you know, versus the world or, you know, challenging and taking on the world. Well, it took me a little longer than I thought, but I had a very clear vision and very, very clear understanding of my core values. So it was easy and fun to date, but I was really quite serious when I found my person I knew he was the one for me. And in fact, he knew it before I did. We met on a um, on a cruise ship. My cousin and I had gone together and we were seated at the wrong dinner table, at the wrong dinner seating, at the wrong everything. And we were seated with these two guys. And by the end of dinner, my husband knew that I was the one for him. Later that evening, we encountered each other again on the dance floor. And, you know, we had a wonderful time. Late in the evening, he was brave enough to kiss me. And I thought, I did what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. I laughed. <laughs> I was like, you swooned, you pulled your leg up, you melted. I'm like, come on. Brushed his genitals, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's what you dream of, Kevin. <laughs> well, now we know that he said, she said, on what every man dreams that he kisses a woman. <laughs> so good, both of you. <laughs> no, of course, laughing is not what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. And so he was brazen enough to ask, you know, what's so funny? And I said, my whole world has changed. My life was going down the railroad track this way, and now it's going toward you. And that's what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman, right? <laughs> Maybe the other things that you were saying as well. <laughs> so that was really... You know, the beginning of this incredibly wonderful romance and relationship. And we very quickly understood that our core values were in alignment. We were at the very same point in our relationship arc of our entire lives. We wanted the same things. We wanted them in a very similar timeline. And we really wanted to share them together. That was, I mean, it was just so amazing to find that synchronicity with someone. And people still talk about this love affair because the whole room would light up when they saw us coming in or one or the other had come in and we would see each other. It was fantastic. That level of knowledge of trust that someone's got your back, that you will go through fire for one another, that, you know, whatever it is. It's going to be so much fun because you're going to do it together. That's what changes everything. Anyway, we did um, enjoy one another and we got married and we invited children into the world. And once we had our first one on his first birthday, 
my husband looked at his gorgeous baby and he said, go play with your little sister. Oh, you don't have one. I'll make you one. And he did. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, now we've got the two children and literally, I mean, it wasn't a showy life, but it was our fantastic best version of our life. And we enjoyed every day and every challenge together. And we had it all planned out. And it was perfect until he died. And I thought, oh, my God, I I don't know what to do. My landscape of my future and how I envisioned it was just scorched. And I realized it didn't take me long to understand that doing nothing was no longer an option. Plus, I had made a commitment to raise these two children. I found myself head of household, sole parent, and single. <laughs> and I was like, where, where's my partnership? You know, he, oh. And it took me a while, but I figured it out. And... I, again, realigned my goals and my vision and how I was going to implement what I was going to do as head of household, sole parent and single. And then I did the same thing for my children. And, you know, people started to notice that I was literally pulling life together and moving forward. And a friend of mine who I used to go running with in high school went out for a run and had a heart attack and died. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And then I realized, ugh, I actually do know what to do, and I can't do nothing. So I brought Chinese food, because that's what you should do. And (laughs) (laughs) it was the little things. I went to his widow and said, this is never going to be okay. I'm going to hold your hand and walk this journey with you. Let's project manage this thing. And... I used all of my experience as a portfolio manager, as an executive at a medical publishing company, and as a social scientist at Stanford University. Uh, So all of my both personal and professional experience and pulled everything together so that she and her children could live a full and happy life, just as I was doing with mine. And then my whole community was saying, can you go out and help them, help them, help them? And I'm like, I need to get two jobs. I, you know, <laughs> what am I doing here? And they're like, no, this is your job. And we really need you to write a book on this. And I'm like, hmm, I did mostly, pro- you know, professional writing and corporate writing, not personal writing. So I was talking with a girlfriend of mine about this. And she says, you know, you should write a book. Why don't you talk to my husband? He's written a bunch of books. I said, okay, Beth, who's your husband? And she looked at me and she was like, hmm. She says, Guy Kawasaki. (laughs) I'm like, the branding guru of the world? The fellow who evangelized Apple Computer with Steve Jobs? He's written a few books. I think I've heard of him before. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, you didn't realize that? I'm like, no, it's not how I choose my friends. So I find myself at a breakfast table, you know, in their home with Guy and Beth. And I told him the story that I just told you. And Guy Kawasaki looks at me and he points his finger at me and he says, that's your book. Write the book. And when Guy Kawasaki points his finger at you and says, write the book, you write the book. (laughs) 
So, okay, that's that's fantastic. I want to go back to, so you figured something out on your own, which you then replicated for your friend, which then the world was calling you to replicate for more people. What was it? What did you figure out? And how did you do it? (laughs) So the secrets of love and business, by the way, and I started to allude to it here, is to create a very clear vision of what it is you're looking for. Who you used to be and who you are now are different. And who you'd like to step into becoming is a whole clear vision. So understanding the roles of who you were, who you are, and who you'd like to be, to create that vision, align your core values with that. And the beautiful, I work with my clients on all of these things. I've got exercises, super simple, that clarify everything. Like, why don't they teach us this at school? And why are we not taught at home and with our friends? Um, We just think, oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll just happen. A little bit of intention goes a long way. So, you know, vision, align your core values. And the core values are so beautiful because when you have your core values in place, things that I it, it becomes super easy to coach on are when people assume somebody should have their best interest in mind, but they have a different set of core values. It doesn't make sense to seek approval for someone out, from someone outside your core value system. Does that sound like it makes sense? Like if you have a very clear set of core values, would you go seeking approval from someone who has a different set of values? Of course not. I mean, you won't won't resonate in the same way, you know, be like you're seeing the world from totally different lenses and have different goals and, and, and direction for sure. For sure. But what happens when it's your parent? (laughs) Whoops. So well, you know, when it's your parent, then what you do is you, uh, you cut buy, the cord. You you bide your time until you're free from their control, and then you live your life the way you want to live your life. Yeah. So this is where the nuances come in because those voices tend to become our inner voice, mm-hmm. culturally, nature, nurture, and we grow up with this set of guidelines that are internalized. So when I'm working with people, we work on things like your relationship with your inner voice, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your family, your relationship with intimate partners or prospects of intimate partners, as well as your relationship with your community. And of course, your career and your workplace and at work, it's your relationship with your clients, your internal colleagues, that sort of thing. Um, and your relationship with your success in, in the workplace. So what we're talking about here is the relationship with your inner voice. So that's what you were bringing up because to understand why we behave a certain way, way, why we may be running into the same relationship patterns, or we find ourselves attracted to people who are out of sync with us or out of alignment or many of my clients are like super successful professionally but when it comes to their love life and intimacy they don't trust themselves to make good choices and they don't know how to navigate obstacles or advocate for themselves because for some reason it all changes at home 
or out of the workplace and they suddenly go, I mean, I don't want to say belly up, but it's like they become submissive, even though they're strong and successful in the workplace. So to figure out why is that more often than not, they are trying to appeal to and please people who are outside of their core values or the systems were in place. Like, I've got clients whose parents are long gone, Mm -hmm. but they're still behaving in a way that would be appropriate or how they think they should behave. And when I can help them understand that that's what's happening and ask a couple of simple questions like, now that you're a grown up, like you would point it out, and you are independent, what do those people actually want? Or what did they want for you? Do they want you to be in healthy, loving relationships? Yes. Do you think that this intimacy is part of that? Yes. Do you think that you can still maintain your individuality and that they would have wanted you to maintain your individuality as a partner in a partnership? Yes. And it sort of just unblocks things. It's like, oh, and awareness becomes so good. I have a quick story for you on that. I have this incredible client and we met on a breakout session in a networking group and she was being overlooked. And I kept saying, what about her? What about her? And they almost finished the call without calling on her. And I was like, what about her? And she says, thank you, Michelle. Nobody sees me. I know I've lived my life without being seen or heard. And you saw me. I'm like, yes, I did. You shine so brightly. Why is it that the people don't see you? And so she hired me. And what one of our conversations, it was, I don't say that I cure claustrophobia. I'm not a healthcare provider. Um, but she was telling a story about how her parents, her mother and her, uh, stepfather, um, were having the worst fight ever, ever. And she was scared because her stepfather had assaulted her in many, many ways and all the ways you can imagine wrong. And her mother threw her in a closet, a dark, cold closet and locked the door. And if you were thrown into a dark, cold closet when you were scared, would it be totally legitimate that possibly you would be claustrophobic from that point in your life? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here she is, and she's all grown up now. And I said, so you've been married and divorced and you've had children. And would you ever, ever even consider if your child could have been in a dangerous situation and you needed to address the assault, assaulter, you know, the potential danger, would you consider protecting her by putting her in a dark closet and locking the door so that the bad guy couldn't get her? And she looked at me and took a breath and said, my mother put me in the closet to protect me, (laughs) not to frighten me. I said, could have been. She said, huh. So a small, dark, cold place might actually be a protection. Safe place. (laughs) Yeah, it's a safe place. She says, oh, my God. Thank you. 
I can go to the movie theater now. <laughs> she says, I can take the elevator for the first time and I can go use my walk-in closet. Thank you. <laughs> so it's so interesting what can be uncovered when you can, you know, start to listen to what's happening and why your inner voice is telling you what it's telling you. But rather than shutting it off, invite it in to have a conversation. So I want to I want to come back to one thing because I I really liked the recipe of having that clear vision because without that vision then you don't know where to align yourself if you, if you don't know where you're going you're not never going there um, right. but I want to address the place that many people are in obviously that was you know a terrible loss and people can have really you know pain something that is really big for them. And that's the, the place where they find themselves that it is so hard to pull themselves out of that hole, right? And they can get stuck in either reliving the, 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 the past, mm -hmm. reliving the story, the same emotions of grief or whatever, yeah. you know, all of that. Do you have anything maybe to say, like, how do you pull yourself out of something that is so painful? Because yes, it's easy to say, yeah, I just need a vision and align myself and then take action and have my, my core values. I get that in, in my mind. But then there's this emotional pain, there's this thing weighing us down. How do you get yourself out, the hole, out of the hole, basically? That's a beautiful question. And it's so, so important because people really do get stuck in a place for so many reasons, like legitimate reasons. And it could be by choice mm -hmm. and it could be just by not knowing what to do or how to move through grief and loss or trauma, like the story I shared with you, or any kind of big developmental life change. So, or even a small one, moving from one location to the next, changing schools, changing whatever the things. So I'm going to share with you exactly how to do that. And any, anyone who's listening to my voice, please, I'm going to use the word grief. You input the right word for you. So I'm going to use grief. You can use trauma. You can use a specific scenario or situation. But here's the reality of it. And thank you for highlighting this because this is really key. Grief is complicated and grief is ambiguous. And when you're driving somewhere, grief makes your future blurry because your eyes fill with tears and you could get a trigger because of a favorite song on the radio. And so it's literally stopping you from having a clear view of what should be happening or what could be happening in your life. And people get stuck and hold on to grief because they're so afraid that if they don't, then they're not going to be acknowledging who they used to be and how life used to be. And grief, like I said, is, is looming and grief will roam the house and smother the children at night. And grief will slam your head against the wall, drop you to the kitchen floor, put its foot on your neck and prevent you from breathe, breathing or seeing your future. And if you can take a breath 
and acknowledge and invite grief in to have a seat at the table and a cup of tea and a conversation to identify what grief holds so it doesn't have a hold on you to identify what is it that grief has that you treasure that you can honor and when you can figure out how to honor what grief holds that you treasure, then grief will actually help move you forward as, a, as opposed to having a hold on you. And sometimes it takes someone who has walked this journey or knows how to do that to link arms with you and help walk you through the process. That's how you can transform what could be a debilitating situation and a life-changing, life-ruining situation to one that can actually rebuild your life to be full and happy and filled with laughter and joy and know you've got this. You've got this. So finding the gift in the grief. Finding the gift in the grief. Good one. <laughs> like, write it down. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's multiple things that you've shared so far that I find interesting. One point I just wanted to come back to, which goes way back to the beginning, which was that idea that, you know, whether it's your intimate relationship or your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your business partners or your company or whatever it is, they're all relationships, right? Yes. And so coming back to sort of the title of our show, which is that if you can really learn how to master relationships, <laughs> probably starting with your relationship with yourself <laughs> and, going, and going from there, um, but then you're going to see the quality of all those relationships improve. So that was one thing that I wanted to, to just kind of Remind the listeners. The second thing was, and this was the bigger point that you made, which is that how much of how we show up in our relationships mm -hmm. is dictated by our past, by whatever traumas we've had, you know, whether they were your mother locking you in a closet, uh, you know, or your parents telling you you're not smart enough or yeah, <laughs> a or, teacher telling you you'll never do this or, anyway <laughs> or, a, an or too smart i've got a client whose mother tells her she's too smart and she'll never find a partner unless she just dumbs herself down oh, wow. so it can go either way That's horrible advice <laughs> <laughs> i have been told that was but too it joyful worked for her mom. it worked for her mom and her mom you know i'm all about meet them where they're at her mother the message was intended well and with love so what I say, I don't know, I use the same hand signals every time. So her mother loves her and wants the best for her. And she's giving the best advice she possibly can, given her life experience. But my client's life experience is different. So to take all of the good qualities and all the love that her mother has to share and to do what's right for her in her one precious life is the right way to do it. And for her to find a partner who appreciates and adores her for her brilliance is going to be such a more enhanced life experience for her. So one of the things is I've given her permission to be brilliant and it's very exciting to see how, and I'll answer another question that you had, or the question that you were asking, that I know that you're going to anyway, um, is that 
she now understands relationships and she can identify somebody who's going to be attracted to her for who she truly is. So where you were going, there were two things you were saying. I think you were asking me about relationship cycles, both personal and professional relationship cycles, and how you show up. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. It's, It's funny. I was going to go there. And before we dive into that, because this is fascinating, the relationship cycles, how people get stuck in some phases, how to pull yourself out of that. I want to do a quick little break to our sponsors, and then we'll get back into those. So this is for all of you listeners who want to shop great product from us, from our hand-picked affiliates. Kevin and I have hand-selected some great products to help you support your health, sex, life, and relationship. And purchasing any of these products from us and, and our affiliates helps support the work that we do, and it ensures that we can continue to help as many people and couples as possible. You'll find anything from courses that are helpful, supplements, biohacking tools. I mean, so many things. Sex toys. To, exactly. To upgrade fun, your fun love life. Fun games to play with your significant <laughs> other. Something to inspire. So make sure you go check this out at selineremy.com forward slash products. And we appreciate you for supporting us and the work that we do. All right, Michelle, back to our relationship. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wanted to make one other point, too. Is something that just popped into my head when you were talking about, well, you know, her mother gave her that advice, you know, from her heart like that. She really meant it. And it just reminded me of the saying, um, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? <laughs> Which is, is, is a lot of the time, you know, our parents or maybe even our teachers or, or these central figures in our life when we were younger have good intentions, but they don't have the awareness to realize that the things that they're telling us could have disastrous consequences <laughs> for us down the road. They mean well. They really wouldn't have said it otherwise. They're not like, hmm, how do I sabotage this person 20 years from now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they do mean well. And given this, their life experience and their, you know, what they've learned, they're speaking in the hopes that they're imparting the best wisdom that you can internalize and interpret and then use to your best knowledge. I mean, I'm just, what's coming to my mind, what is inventions and innovation that were, you know, new 20 years ago, they don't even apply anymore because we're so much further advanced in the way that we use innovation and this sort of thing. So, you know, my great grandfather might've been like, this is the best, you know, weight form of transportation ever. And I'm going to be like, "Mm, we're so far ahead of that. (laughs) I just wish they could give disclaimers about, Hey, this is what worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but let me impart this to you and you make up your own mind instead of this is the way you should do it. This is the way that it works. Anyway, yeah. that's a whole So my mom dish. would say, here's my mother's advice for that. If you're trying to please everyone everywhere, it's just impossible. And one day I was trying to, you know, take care of everyone and everything, wondering who was taking care of me. And she looked at me and she said, Michelle, where are your Wonder Woman cuffs and shield? You can't please everyone. Do what's right for you and your family. And so I'm going to accredit her for that one. Then she bought me two bracelets and I'm like, I got this. I have my life, my way that works for us. You literally can't please everybody. You can only do it your way. You know what you need. 
Absolutely. So let's change gears a little bit and get back to what we started to talk about before our, our sponsor break, which is the three phases that relationships go through. So you, you have it narrowed down into these three phases here. and Maybe you could explain to the listeners what those phases are. I would be happy to. <laughs> All right. So what I'd like for you to do as I'm going through this is choose a relationship that suits you or some one that you would like to be in or that you've been in recently so that you can really apply this to your life. And I'm going to give you a little secret insight into this. Um, consider something that many people know is developing a resume and your resume is your personal profile that helps prepare you to understand your skill set and also to support your successful career trajectory. Now, in today's dating world, if you're online dating and or if you're dating organically in the wild, um, completing a, an, a profile, a, like a personal profile, does something very similar to your resume that's going to help you in your career. Your personal profile is actually going to help give you clarity in who you actually are and the right person you would like to attract to invite into your life. So resume, personal profile. So it's either a career trajectory or, you know, a dating intimate trajectory, but it's also just who you'd like to invite into the Venn di diagram of your life, into your inner circle. And I know I mentioned earlier, we have this relationship timeline in our lives and where are you at in that? Um, and that when my husband and I met, my late husband and I met, we were really at the same point in what we were looking for in the next steps in our life, which really made that intersection quite easy to enjoy. It was just really beautiful. So now, every single relationship that you're in and you're thinking of one now, okay, goes through three phases from chemistry to casual to committed. Now, I'm going to walk through each phase and I'd like you to think in your mind's eye how it worked for you. For example, if you are online dating and somebody has caught your eye and they have liked you, that gives you this like endorphin rush. It's like, hmm, this person who looks particularly interesting who I might want to share some time with likes me too. It might be interesting to connect with that person. And the law of attraction may even bring you together. So you up-level the relationship with communication and you start to connect with this person. And let's say it's kind of a fun banter and you're learning about this person. And if you were working with me, we would have already figured out your core values and you would be asking open-ended questions to figure out their core values and see how they might align because activities and events that you share together are wonderful fun. And it's really a great way to allow the law of attraction to bring you together. Core values are an enduring way to make relationships last. So here we are in the chemistry that's the dog behind me. <laughs> You're not just hungry. <laughs> I think you can see her. Ooh, chemistry. <laughs> um, she's 
she likes this part too. We all do. Everybody loves the chemistry part. (laughs) Because you, you, you're like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. And I have a date with this person and uh, you might like get a new outfit. You're going to organize your day to be excited about seeing this person. I hope you dress appropriately and that you show up on time, ready to see this person for the first time in real life. And that first moment where your eyes meet, it's like, oh, you're both happy to see each other and you're everything that you've said you are. And literally walking toward one another is exciting and you get a serotonin rush, an endorphin rush, the oxytocin in your body, the cuddle drugs going crazy. This is good. And you, you know, connect, you might have a little hug, a small kiss, and you sit down together and you start to get to know one another. And this part of the experience is literally like an indulgence of chocolate. It feels so euphoric. So this is the chemistry phase where everything is right. And it is like, you are looking for what's right in this person. You are seeing the possibility in this relationship. It is so exciting. You're like, I mean, you know, I got a kiss on that day. Remember? It was like, so good. So now let's say this date just went beautifully and you're going to go out again. And this time you're actually going to step into the chemistry or the casual phase just a little bit. And these are not clearly defined phases. You, there are different aspects that uh, run through because maybe that you're like feeling a little committed to like, what could the possibility be with this person? And as you move forward and you continue to see one another, what happens in the casual phase of relationships is very, very comforting. And it's the, I got this. And we know we, we as mammals really enjoy looking forward to being able to anticipate and having our expectations met and exceeded in what we think is going to happen. So let's say you go out a second and a third time, maybe more, and you spend time together and you laugh and it's fun and everything is right. And then you know a couple of things because you're like, "Mm, we're going out again. And I know that we're going to kiss again and it's going to be the best kiss you've ever had. And then the next time you're like, and we get to kiss again. And that anticipation is like... Yes, so exciting. And this is the casual phase where we get to be comfortable. And then you start to say, "Mm, I know we've kind of set a rhythm in this and we both like it very much. Now there's something else happens in the casual phase of a relationship. In this part of the relationship, what also happens is we start to see the differences between us. In the chemistry phase, we tend to see what's alike and what's positive. In the casual phase, we are enjoying what we're anticipating and we're seeing what is different. And is this going to throw a red flag in the air? Is it going to, and a red flag could be a deal breaker. It could be a, no, this is not the right fit. I don't feel like you're somebody that I should align with. That's a deal breaker. It's time to say thank you very much. This was very exciting, but we're not a match. 
and free that person up to go find their right person and you up to find your person. It could be a yellow flag. And then in the case of a yellow flag, sometimes you just need to clear the air of what you think this picture would look like with the both of you in it versus the reality of what that looks like. Because our brains will fill out a picture to give us comfort. And many times we need to clear things to differentiate what I thought this might be versus what it's really like, who are you truly? So in this casual phase, if there's red flags, those could be deal breakers, yellow flags. I teach my clients how to clear that to, sh to make it clear. Is it a red flag deal breaker or is it a green light go? And if it's a green light and you've cleared what you thought might cause an issue, but it's not that like, Oh, I don't know. Spoons on the counter. Why do you leave the spoons on the counter? Or why aren't the spoons spooning in the drawer? I do know a person that's a deal breaker for them. They need the spoon spooning. Um, so if you can't spoon the spoons, it's not going to work with that specific person. <laughs> Whew. I, that's, I, yeah, well, it's simple yet tough. I mean, what other things they got going on if, if the spoons are that big a deal? Damn. Right. But that's the thing. So that person needed to know this was a thing. Can they find someone who will keep the spoon spooning? Um, and I use it because as an example because not many of us have that big of an issue with the spoon or the spoon spooning. Um, there's a a riddle in there or a rhyme in there somewhere. So let's say you've gone from chemistry to casual and every, there's no red lights. The yellow lights have been cleared and they turn into green go lights. And now you're in the committed phase of your relationship. And I'll give you an example. Maybe somebody says, this is my partner and introduces you, or this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, this is my someone who has now been given a more intimate title showing the value of the relationship. That then throws the two of you right forward into chemistry again, because that's exciting if that's where you both wanted to go. And then you see everything right and you try it on. Hmm, I am girlfriend, boyfriend, partner. Hmm. And it's so exciting and so fun. And then you might go through the casual phase as a partner and then go into the committed phase. Then maybe you move in. And if the spoons are spooning and everything's going well, maybe you make that a more committed relationship. So do you see how it continues to cycle? I have a client who hired me. She said, where were you 30 years ago? I would not have married the man I married. It was 15 years of suffering. Three boys later, three children later, I finally disengaged from him. And now I'm married to the right person. And she's going to keep me on a retainer because she wants to make sure this relationship lasts. And she wants to rebuild the relationship with her sons. But here's why I bring this up because she and her now incredible husband, who have a beautiful relationship in every way, decided that he should get a high-powered job. And guess what? He got it. So they're very excited, but she suddenly became a victim because, or feeling like a victim because he's spending all this time with this other relationship. 
And so these relationships from chemistry to casual to committed, they intertwine like Olympic rings. So they have an intimate relationship as a married couple. Together, they decided he would take this opportunity with this very large organization that you would know the name of. And he took the job. And now he's got a relationship where he's leaping into this role from chemistry to casual to committed with this company. And she's saying, but he doesn't have the time for me that he used to have. And so I helped her understand how to transform that from being a victim to actually riding the wave. And we talked about different ways and she's decided to be the reward that he comes home to. And I know they should probably uh, touch base with all of your sponsors. Let's just say, <laughs> not just yes, saying they more. should. <laughs> yes, they should. So what we did was we just adjusted the uh, the perception that they had because they both want him to do well at work. And it's also now freed her up to know that he can go and work. He doesn't have to worry about their relationship. He can move from chemistry to casual to committed with all of his colleagues and all of his important responsibilities at work. He's got this. And from there, he can then know that he doesn't have to worry. His wife will be there when he gets home. And they schedule time together that's very intimate and very positive that they can both enjoy and one another and be the reward they're doing all the work to do. So it's the work-life balance. Yeah. So, you know, you know, in our house, uh, we have spoons that are both spooning and 69ing. <laughs> Oh, really? Did, did you notice that? That's true. Now that you're saying that. It, right. So we, we, we've got some fun spoons in this house. <laughs> you've got so, very busy spoons at your house. Oh, yes. We've got a lot of them, too. <laughs> Even better. So, you know, there's, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to um, assume or say anything, but I think that now could be like the upside down pineapple for polyamorous people. <laughs> if your spoons are in disarray, you got this. That's right. <laughs> so we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. So we don't have a lot of time. And of course, we have our, our famous last question we want to ask. But before that, I just have kind of one sort of follow up on these three phases, which is I'm wondering, yeah. is there a particular phase that some people tend to get sort of caught up in that maybe prevents them from going through this, this cycle over and over again? And, and if so, what's the how do they get out of that? Beautiful and very perceptive question. So here's what happens in relationships. More than somebody getting stuck in one phase is that people will be at different points in their relationship in what they desire. So there's many nuances to relationships and even in the relationship cycles that they're in. So here's how it goes. I'm going to use a client as an example. Um, she is dating this guy who adores her like a goddess, a goddess. And he, from the moment they met, was ready to be in a committed relationship with her. Now, that intention is exactly what she's always wanted for. And she's even said to me, you know, you got to be careful what you ask for because you might actually get it. And she's saying, but wait a second, 
you know, I'm not ready to jump into an arranged marriage with you. I want to actually go through the process from chemistry to casual to committed. And she's now laid this out for him. And so he's still, he's now become quite acutely aware of where they're at and where he then is maybe pushing her into a committed relationship rather than just enjoying the law of attraction and the time where they get to know one another and see how they flow together and how they agree on things and where do they disagree on things and what do they love sharing time discussing all of the things so you know how to find the right match for you and um, in this situation, she is not aware. I mean, it's interesting because she doesn't feel worthy. There are really two reasons that relationships don't work. Someone feels like they're not worthy or they're not enough, resulting in them not being lovable. So she realized she wasn't feeling valuable enough, that she wasn't feeling like she was contributing enough to the relationship. So she came to me with a very different challenge. And what in our discussion came out is that here's this incredible boyfriend who is probably the right match for her. And he is ready to move in. He's ready to start to move into the committed phase. And she doesn't feel like she's worth it. Like she's valuable enough. And she needed me in this case to start to monetize some of the value she adds in the relationship. And I don't typically do that because it's, you know, there's no value you can place on something as important as a deep, meaningful connection and love. But she needed a play and meet them where they're at. So she needed to know something. And so we started to quantify. If you had to pay someone to do what you bring to this relationship, how much would that cost? All told, by the end of the conversation, she was valued at over $3 million just this year alone. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I never saw that coming. <laughs> and it's sort of, I mean, it's a... an unusual way to perceive things, but she needed it to be quantified. So now that she started to see her own value and we unlocked some other potential for her, her business is growing. She's bringing in all kinds of revenue. She's getting celebrity recognition in a way that she didn't anticipate. She's being awarded things. It's coming right and left. She's being, I mean... TEDx talks, she's in the top magazines, she's in the music industry, she's got all of these amazing things going for her that have been opened up. And she was the one, she didn't realize that she was holding them down. Yeah, so the, and, so the thing going on here is, you know, because the original question was, where, where do people get stuck in the cycle? And, yeah. and just to, to clarify for the audience, what's really happening is not so much that people get stuck, it's that they get out of phase, right? That one person nice. in a relationship is in one phase of the cycle, and the other person is in another phase of the cycle. And so the way that uh, they chose to solve that, and I think it's probably the way that would work for everybody, is you need to communicate, right? You need to make sure that you both understand, hey, here's where I'm at. Oh, here's where I'm at. Okay, if we're not in the same place, how do we get on the same place, right? Like, how do we get to that same phase so that we can continue on together? 
it was reminding me again of something I read. We, last week, we had uh, two authors on the show as well, and I was reading their book, and they had a line in the book. It said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was yeah. basically something along the lines of the biggest mistake people make in communication is thinking that it has occurred, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is the whole idea. is like if you're not communicating to this uh, person about where you're at in this cycle, you have no idea if they're actually in alignment with you or not. So there's a triad. There are three things that are required to up-level a relationship. Communication, as you pointed out. And when you communicate consistently and clearly, which sometimes you need someone to help you, you know, reassess the situation. So communication so that you know, and I often, my clients will call me and say, I need the three easy steps to bring up a potentially relationship ending conversation with my partner. And I don't want the partnership to end. What do I do? So I give them the three easy steps and I can tell you about that in a second. But the, the triad to up level a relationship is communication, consistent communication that's clear your partner's not a mind reader. You really do need to share the information. <laughs> trust, consistent communication builds trust. And if you can continue that back and forth, it builds respect. So through communication, trust, and respect, that's how to really up-level a relationship, which it sounds like that's what your other guests were alluding to also. <laughs> It's just not fair. We're not mind readers. That is very true. Okay, there's there's so much more that we could go into, but we are definitely running out of time. And we well, let's just have her give the free steps because she well, said I could give it to. Her, and I'm thinking about all the listeners that are in this situation. No, no, they didn't like, give it to. I, us. I need okay. to. I need to get it. You know, when right. I listen to a show and they don't give me what they said they would, I go like, what? So let's give those free steps uh, quickly, and then also then tell them where they can find you to get more. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm, how about we just go for a cliffhanger? Mm. If you need the three easy steps to navigate challenges in your relationship, you are welcome to schedule time with me at theartofrelationshipping.com. All right. How about that? There you go. Got both of them. In one second. <laughs> two, two birds, one stone. Okay. <laughs> Well, go ahead and ask our, our last oh, question. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite juicy question, Michelle. We want to know what is your best sexual talent? Oh, well, my best sexual talent is relationshiping. I understand that the greatest sex of all time happens, and in my interpretation, it's a very high-level intimate communication. And because that can happen... I know that my, my best sexual positions are all about open communication, trust, and respect. And that's the connection that I wish everyone to have to, be, to have the best orgasms ever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Michelle. Thank you so much for uh, being here on the show. Uh, best way to connect with you is through your website. Um, and then your books can be found on, I'm, I'm imagining any places that sell books. Or do you have a favorite place yeah. for them to get them? So um, they... You can access them at theartofrelationshipping.com. I was picked up by a publisher. There's electronic 
print copy and audibles on my books. And if you go to theartofrelationshipping.com, you can go to resources and click right there and get them. Awesome. And that link, of course, will be in the details as always. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your life experience. I hope that everybody got value out of it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure (laughs) to be here. All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs>